Alright, what is up, Ball Squad Nation? We are back with episode 47. I'm Mike, and I'm here with Dalen. How y'all doing? And Noah. What is up? Sadly, no Alex today. He's having his bachelor's party today, so you know he's about to go wild. So, you know, <laughs> absolutely respect to him. But yeah, these next few weeks, it's going to be tough for him to record because he's getting married, which, you know, congratulations to him. Hopefully after that, and he won't have school for summer break. We'll be able to get him on some more podcasts. So, Boys, I got some news. Oh, Noah's got some news. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Noah. <clears throat> Michael already knows, but I'm going to be in Arizona. Oh, yes. Yeah, starting Noah's going to be in Arizona next week. And hopefully we're going to get some recordings in, maybe some you know, more ball squad stuff for you guys. So very exciting stuff. And actually, Alex is going to be in Arizona too, but I don't think you guys are going to be... They don't overlap. Yeah, they don't overlap, sadly. We almost had all four of the Ball Squad members reunited again, but it's all right. Well, one day it will happen. One day it will happen. But we got to make a trip to Utah this summer. Yeah, maybe we do, dude. Maybe we got to come up to Utah and hang out, especially because it's going to be hot here. Yeah. (laughs) Bro, it's lit up in Utah. Just going to say that. Bro, I'd imagine. I'd imagine. It's fun. It's already 90 here or whatever mm-hmm. so it's oh fun. it's like 60s here yeah, that sounds amazing actually all right so let's get into the podcast for today so today we're just gonna go through our playoff matchups it is currently friday the 6th and there's a couple games tonight it's the i believe it's Suns play game three and then sixers heat play game three as well so keep that in mind as you're listening to this recording that there's still games to be played today but let's get into our analysis. So first, let's talk about the Heat versus the Sixers. So Miami is currently up 2-0. And really, they've been taking care of business, even without Kyle Lowry. So it's been pretty good to see for them. Um, I will say the games have been a little close at times. But it seems like in the second half, Miami has just pulled away pretty consistently. So what do you guys think about this series so far? Well, we, we're not sure. We heard today that maybe Joel Embiid might be back for Game 3. That's so the other thing, yeah. That's a very dependent factor if he's back or he's not back. Um, I think if he's back, they, they'll play better and they'll stay close with throughout the game through the full 48 instead of just first two, three quarters and then Miami pull away. Um, so, But uh, it really just kind of depends on him. What yeah, if you guys missed it, he was initially out for game three, but today he cleared concussion protocol. So he may be playing with a mask today, but um, we'll see, I guess. It, it really depends on if he's even allowed to play and things like that. So uh, I guess we'll see. I think if Embiid comes back, this series gets a little more interesting, but I still think Miami takes it in like six at most. Dang. Yeah. I think Miami takes it in five. I'm thinking five if Embiid comes back tonight and they win. If Embiid doesn't come back tonight, he and four. It's a sweep. Yeah, yeah sweep. I agree. Because 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 it, it, if the Heat if he doesn't come back tonight, Heat win. You're up three zero or you're down three zero as the Sixers. Do you even bother bringing Embiid back? I think you do. I think Embiid would want to come back as well mm-hmm. for game so. four. Yeah, yeah, I think he would he would definitely try to play, but I don't know if they'd even win. So yeah, I doubt they win. You know, like I don't think Embiid being in is a guaranteed win. I think that's just how good Miami has been. I so. think I think they have to win tonight on home court. 
or else it's going to be over in four. Yeah, I agree. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about some players in this series. First, Tyler Hero. Hasn't, he's been balling out, I'm not going to lie. Averaging 21 or 22 points on 56% shooting. He's been a great presence off the bench, and he just won six man of the year. Mm-hmm. So, honestly, very good performances by him, and I, I feel like he's the X factor for Miami. Um, not just this series, but going into future series as well. I think he's going to be definitely a big part of them winning. And it's cool to see. Oftentimes you see like volume scorers kind of fizzle out in the playoffs. That's just how it is. But Tyler Hero hasn't. And it's good to see, honestly. So I just wanted to, to shout out Tyler Hero um, for this. And I also saw I'll, something talk about Tyler Hero. Like he's their offense. And like, well, not their entire offense, but like, kind of, like if he's if he's hot, like he are gonna win. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he's also their defensive downfall because he it's like pretty much at anybody offense against Tyler Hero. <laughs> like, yeah, he he's a little bit of a liability. I agree with you. Yeah. But at least if you're Miami, I feel like you can try to hide him. You know, you oh, have for a sure. ton with, of with the plus help. defenders. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, defense and that stuff. But if you if you can get the switch on Tyler Hero, that's definitely something you can expose if you're Miami. But at the very least, if you need defense, my as Miami, you could sub him out pretty easily. Like because I think it's not like they're totally relying on Tyler Hero mm-hmm. to score. Um, it's just like a thing that's nice to have, and you yeah. could definitely stagger his minutes like as needed. I also wanted to talk about James Harden a little bit. We mentioned him. A few times, and we talked about how he's been pretty good at distributing the ball, but not so good at scoring. And I still think that's the case. Uh, currently in the playoffs, he's shooting 40% from the field, which, you know, for a guy like James Harden, who I guess this is what we've seen from him all year, like even with Brooklyn, but it's it's kind of hard to watch. I'm not going to lie. I've never been like the biggest Harden fan, mm-hmm. but still it's like this guy used to drop like 40 every yeah. night. You know what I mean? And I know it's not easy to do that in the playoffs, but I mean, with Joel and beat out, I feel like he definitely needs to do more. You know? He just—he doesn't even seem like he's playing aggressive either, like at all. He's just very uh, resistant, very just passive. Yeah. And he, he just needs to be more aggressive and attack the basket or try and get his shots that he usually tries to get. Um, that he's, uh, so that's the biggest issue I see with him like because he can I feel like you know he's not too far removed from those days where he was dropping 40 you know what I mean so yeah I agree I feel like he he still it's only been a couple of years you know it it has yeah yeah it's not like that like he was hurt last year a lot yeah so I, I I agree with you I think it's just tough to see like I don't know how to explain it he he is distributing well like he's given the ball to Maxi and he's been scoring pretty well and things like that, but I don't know if it's just like the system that's the issue, or if it's if it's just him, mm-hmm. because I know he hasn't always been the most aggressive player, but this is this is like definitely a different Harden than than we've seen before. Um, I don't want to say this is like a legacy series for him, but this is kind of like proving his haters right. If anything, yeah, you know what I mean. That like I guess he can't get it done in the playoffs and stuff. I think legacy series are dumb, dude. Like we're talking about James Harden, bro. Like, he's obviously a Hall of Famer. What legacy series yeah. is it? Like, I don't know. Like, well, because the, the whole 
people, the whole reason people crap on James Harden is because of playoffs. So mm-hmm. that 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 would be why. That's you know? fair. Yeah. Which I guess is fair, but also like he's still an all-time great. Yeah. Yeah. He's still so good. So you know. Um, I also wanted to talk a little bit in this series about Doc Rivers. Um, I know he's had some good. interesting quotes to the media, but all right, this is gonna be crazy. I'm I'm actually gonna come and defend Doc Rivers here. What? Okay. I know. I know. This. <laughs> He wants him to be Lakers head coach. He has to start doing it now. No, I'm. <laughs> no, we're not talking about that. All right, but um, he he's gonna get a lot of crap for starting DeAndre Jordan, and I get it. Believe me, as a Lakers fan, I watched a lot of DeAndre Jordan this year, and he had to have been the worst starter in the league. But I don't understand who else he's what else he's supposed to do. You know what I mean? Because his other option is Paul Reed, who. I mean, he's probably better than DeAndre Jordan, but also he fouls a lot. He fouled out of game one, and he didn't even start. You know what I mean? So he, he definitely has some issues as well. Um, so it's not like I love I would love starting DeAndre Jordan, but also, like, really, what choice does Doc have here? You know what I mean? It's, it's kind of dumb to be like, I don't know. I mean, they traded Drummond for, for Harden, obviously. So they were kind of left without some depth and things like that. So if anything, I wouldn't blame Doc Rivers. I would just blame the front office for not really having like a, a solution put in there. You mm-hmm. know, they probably could have went after some other big men that were available, but I don't. They just weren't for whatever reason. So they got DeAndre Jordan. Um, yeah. So I'll just say I'll just say it's kind of dumb to blame Doc Rivers for that. For the DeAndre Jordan thing, maybe, but like, bro should not be getting a lot of minutes. I don't know, like. Oh, believe me, I agree with you. It, uh, it's just so bad, dude. DeAndre Jordan. Uh, I don't know. I, I feel bad for the guy. I do. Yeah. Because for Jordan? He, he's, yeah, I mean, he's a good teammate, and he's trying. It's just, he's just not good anymore. Yeah. He's just lost all his athleticism. I think. It, it almost seems like he doesn't try, though, if you watch some of those. Well, I, th- <laughs> I think he's tried. I just, <laughs> just he's out of gas, bro, you know? That's fair. That's so, fair. It, it's I, definitely unfortunate. But. Yeah. The, the one thing I will say, I maybe there's, like, an excuse for that, but, like, dude, Doc Rivers is getting coached around, like, oh, circles around. I mean, it's Eric bad. We, we said this last better. week, this is what's yeah. going to happen. So, yeah. You know, I, I wonder, he'll probably get fired after this. I don't know. I feel like part of it, too, is, is that Daryl Morey probably wants his own guy in there. Because, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think Morey was the one to hire Doc. When he got to Philly, I think Maury was there after Doc got hired, so I I could see Maury kind of wanting his own guy in there, especially to work with Harden and all that. So uh, we'll see, but we don't want to do too much offseason speculation here. Mm-hmm. Do you guys have anything else about Heat Sixers? Um, not really. No. All right, we'll move on to our next series. Then we're gonna. Keep it in the East. Go Bucks, Celtics. So currently the series is tied one to one. Game one, Bucks destroyed Boston. Game two, Boston destroyed the Bucks. So it's kind of been a little back and forth series. Very scrappy series too. Mm-hmm. A lot of defense, a lot of defense. Um, both teams in their losses scored below ninety points. So it's definitely been a pretty scrappy series and kind of living up to the hype that we wanted. I think a lot of people are like, well, they've been both blowouts. But to me, it's like, dude, there's been some good defense played this series. And this yeah. is kind of what you expected. I think these, well, I won't say these two teams, but 
I, these two teams are probably are, you know, the best. Nah, that's, that's disrespecting Miami. Yeah, I was gonna say. But I will say they're two of the top defensive teams um, still left. So this is this is a pretty good series to kind of tune into. Uh, game one, it seemed like the Bucks had control all game. They won by twelve. Game two, Celtics won by twenty three. Bucks got off to a horrible start. Yeah, Giannis was like, it's, yeah, it's because like one for ten. Giannis, bro. Yeah, I was surprised, yeah. and I'm not gonna lie. This is kind of what I was expecting going to this series. Not to say that KD is better than Giannis, but I'm like, if they can camp, clamp up KD, they can clamp up Giannis as well. I will say, even in game one, Giannis shot what, 9 for 25 or something like mm-hmm. that. Like, he didn't shoot well at all, but he played great. He was still involved on defense and getting rebounds and things like that. I don't think him having a you know, below-average shooting night really discounted his game one performance. But game two, he... He did not play well at all, at least to start out. He shot started off like 1 for 10. I will say for the Bucks, there is some optimism actually because in game two in the second half, they actually outscored the Celtics. But I think that first half deficit was just a little too much to come back from. Um, so it's not like, you know, it's not like series over or anything like yeah. that. Um, you guys have any thoughts on this series? I think uh, for the Bucks and for Giannis, I think Giannis is kind of settling for – too many jumpers, and that's why his kind of numbers are a little down. So, mm-hmm. and that's not necessarily his fault because it's you know it's hard to drive when you have like these really good defenders on you. But I think maybe Boonehilder needs to come up with like systems where he can they can get Giannis the ball on the block or get him like move like head full head stuff a little bit. Yeah, some stuff like that going in the basket, and I think that'll just get him going a little bit more. And then the rest of stuff will start to develop around that instead of him off the gate trying to sell for jumpers. Yeah. That's, not, that's just not really his. Like, he's developed that part of his game, but that's not, like, his game. Yeah. You know I, mean? so. he's Yeah, his jumper and mid-range is a lot better, but it might not work against Boston. Yeah. Um, also, you have to consider, who's Boston's tallest defender? Is it Robert Williams or Al Horford? Robert Williams. I mean, either way, Giannis is a lot bigger than both of them. Yeah. You know, so. Bigger? Like, I would say so, yeah. They're both like, six. I think all all of them are six ten. Really? Actually, that's kind of crazy. Giannis just plays bigger. Yeah, I would say Giannis plays bigger. So, I don't know. I think he could definitely post up these guys, but I also think it's hard to do that because I could see him getting double teamed in the paint pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Um, so, especially by these guys because they're you know they're really fast on defense and things like that. They have good hands. So, I don't know. It it is tough. I think it's tough to game plan against this Boston defense because they just have. So much versatility, so much flexibility with how they play. Um, but game one, it seemed like they were getting to him. I think Giannis just needs to be a little more aggressive. And, you know, we'll see We'll see where things go from there. I also have to give some credit to the Celtics because they won game two without Marcus Smart as well. Mm-hmm. So that, that, I will say that's pretty big because Marcus yeah. Smart is super important to that team. Uh, Noah, what do you got? Uh, I'm still stuck on this whole Giannis is taller than all of them. Oh, you're checking? Okay, okay. He's, he's checking. So, okay, I'll... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, apparently Al, Horford's, Al Horford is 6'9", and Robert Williams is 6'9", and Giannis is 6'11". And, okay, so, you know, it's like comparable height. It's the not like anything. But, but I, like I think... a crazy wingspan, though. Yeah, yeah, that wingspan... And then also Giannis is just like a freight train. Like nobody, nobody's gonna stop Giannis, bro. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's oh. really it really comes down to the help defense 
and that's what's stopping them. Like those rotations, like nobody's gonna just clamp up Giannis because he's just big and strong and he's gonna get to the get to the hoop. Like it, it's yeah. it's not like KD where it's more finesse. And like even then, like they had to throw double teams at KD to really really clamp him up. But Giannis, it's it's different. You're gonna help. You're gonna you're gonna kill him by like preventing that that drive with the help defense and um forcing him to shoot those jumpers because really if he wanted to he could just steamroll his way to the basket every time but he doesn't want to do that because he sees that like oh i'm gonna get met at the rim by this person and this person or whatever you know yeah yeah you also have to think about conserving energy for defense and things like that because because they need it I also wanted to shout out uh, Jalen Brown, too. He balled out that last game. Like game I think two. he had, Yeah, game two. I think he had 14 points in the first quarter, and he really contributed to to the Celtics' hot start to win that game. And I also wanted to say, I feel like they're, the Bucks are really missing Chris Middleton right now. They could definitely use his scoring because when Giannis is not scoring, it's, it's tough. Like, I know Chris Middleton isn't the most consistent scorer, but also... You to beat the Bucks, I feel like you have to rely on Giannis, Drew Holiday, and Chris all having a bad night, and I feel like that doesn't that's not gonna happen most of the time. You yeah. know what I mean? So just having that extra option there would definitely help the Bucks a ton, and I think they're definitely missing him. Um, so with all that said, I'm sick with my prediction: Bucks and six, baby. <laughs> right. I know I just said they're gonna have some trouble this series, but um, I also think that. Game two was a little bit of an outlier, and I think mm-hmm. they'll return to their winning ways. Game three, but I kind of I this is probably one of my favorite second round series. Not gonna lie. This, oh, it's this good is for sure, this yeah. is such a good. I, I I think really this is the Eastern Conference Finals matchup. Like whoever wins this is gonna. Actually, or, I don't know, dude. I yeah, I like Miami's Miami a lot, Miami's man. good. I agree, but I just man. It, it's so hard because, like, I just feel like the Miami, their defense is light years above the Bucks' defense. Or, like, I wouldn't say light years above the Celtics because the Celtics clamp, dude. But um, in the second half of the season, I think the Celtics had the best defense. But mm-hmm. but I think the Celtics and Bucks' offense is just so much better than the Heat. And... Like defense is important, but if the other team is clamping you up, and but they're still you know like I I it's just hard for me to imagine this, and also the Heat oh, matchup heat versus Celtics, yeah. Sorry, bro, what were you saying? Yeah, the Heat, the Heat versus Giannis will be so tough for the Heat. Yeah, I and that's been interesting because we've seen that matchup the past two years as well. Yeah. So I I could see that being a pretty interesting matchup for sure. But what's your prediction, Noah? Oh, Frank. <laughs> uh, let's go. Wait, what did I say the first time? I actually don't remember. I think you said I think you said Celtics and seven, but I could be wrong. Yeah, I'm. I don't know now. I, I think wanna... both of you guys picked. Boston. I'm, I'm sticking with Celtics and seven. Okay, he said Celtics and seven. I, I'm debating between Celtics or Bucks and seven. I think I'll go. Bucks and seven. Okay, that's what I like to hear. Okay. Yeah, it, I think either way, this series is going the distance. Both teams, even though the games haven't been close, 
you know, both teams have shown that, hey, we can, you know, we can win this series. So at the end of the day, yeah, it's pretty crazy. All right, so let's move out on West to Phoenix. Currently, the Suns are beating the Mavs 2-0 in this series. And I just got to say, the Suns have put on a master class coming into this series. They've won game one by seven points and game two by 20 points. But honestly, I think those scores are a little disrespectful to really how much the Suns have dominated this series. Um, I will say most of it comes down to great game planning by Monty Williams. They're essentially in both games, they've challenged Luka to, you know, really try to score early. And he has. He's still averaging 40 points this series. But this really tires Luka out for the second half. And especially game two, you could see that happening because they would just look for the guy on Luka or the guy Luka's guarding essentially and just score on him. So, again, we were talking about this earlier off recording, but I don't think Luka's really a bad defender by any means. But I also think with everything he has to do on offense, he just has nothing left on defense. Mm -hmm. And I think this is just the Suns, you know, really – the Suns are just, you know, a hydra right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're, they're attacking from all angles. You know, if Booker's not scoring, then Chris Paul is. If Chris Paul's not, then Bridges is. If Bridges isn't, then Aiden is. You know, yeah. at the end yeah. of the day, there there's just so many guys at the, that can score. And the Mavericks don't have this luxury. <coughs> they're pretty much relying on Luka to do a, a huge amount of the scoring and playmaking. And because of that, you know, it's really easy to just – kind of focus your attack on him so it's definitely just a case i think of the suns just being better you know a lot of people including our dear friend alex is going to say that dallas is choking and lucas choking but i think i think the Suns is better and at the end of the day this is just this is the best team in the league versus a four seed you know what i mean it's not like it should be super surprising about Mm -hmm. what's happening you know i definitely want to throw shade at the Mavs or throw shade at Lucas, say that they're just dominating. But I think that, like you said, the game plan and uh, by Monty Williams and the game management by Chris Paul has just been immaculate this series. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Luka is just playing right into how the Suns want him to play. Like, they're, they're like, make – the Suns are just basically have the mindset, like, make Luka beat us. He's not going to score enough well, to beat it's actually the us. opposite, I feel yeah. like. It's make the True. rest of the team beat us. I think it's make because they're like letting Luca get his scoring and they, but they're just gonna um, but they, there's no way he's gonna score enough to completely dominate us you know, yeah to win it against us yeah so, I agree unless he goes off and drops Wait. like eighty I I kind of agree with Michael I think it's like make the rest of the team beat us because yeah, it's like let Luca get his. That kind of thing. Well, that's what I. That's what I mean. It's like yeah. let Luca beat us. Like let Luca get all the scoring, um, and like let him be, yeah, be yeah. the one to beat us. Yeah, yeah. The, well, they're basically encouraging the rest of the the Dallas Mavericks to like step up and do something because it's like, it's like, yeah. If Luca's Luca's gonna get thirty or forty, whether you're double teaming him or not, like that's just who he is. He's just that good a score, but. Uh, like no one else on his team is gonna, and and plus when you have a defender like Mikael Bridges, like, or I mean not even just Mikael Bridges, like any a lot of the the players on the Suns I think are positive defenders, and so it just makes it really hard for Luca. But what we were talking about and 
I just want to reiterate this is like the the Suns are dominating. Like mm-hmm. it's I think Daylon said like he doesn't want to throw shade and say they're getting dominated, but they're getting dominated. Like that's just how it is. I, like, I don't want to throw shade and say that they're getting uh that they're choking. I'm, I, I yeah. oh yeah yeah. I don't think they're choking. Yeah, I, I think they're choking. They're, 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 they're getting dominated for sure. Yeah yeah and and but like but that's the, that's the thing is like it's okay that they're getting dominated because I don't think anybody had Dallas making it out of this series. Like maybe I think some delusion. Suns in six, dude. Wait what? I, I think it's gonna. I had Suns in six. I think it's gonna be Suns in four now. Yeah, I had Suns in I, five. I think I had Suns in five too, like. It's it's just bad, bro. But um, the other thing is I like what they're doing about attacking Luke on defense because <clears throat> I remember um, our high school basketball coach always said, like, give 100% on defense and 60% on offense because well, you I can't. I thought it was 80% on offense. 88%? Maybe it's 80%. Oh, I thought it was 80%. I, I, was, I was thinking it was 80, but then I said 60 because 80 sounds <laughs> high. You know, I think it was 80. That makes more sense. Um. But either way, like it's just because you can't give a hundred percent on both ends of the court, and Luca has to give a hundred and twenty percent on offense, and then yeah. he's getting attacked every single play, cause cause that's the other thing is like, the Suns have good defense, but their offensive weapons are just crazy. Like anybody could, well maybe not anybody. It's mostly Luca or, or it's mostly uh, Booker or Chris Paul. But like yeah. I would trust Cam Johnson to go out and drop twenty. I'd trust Mikel to go out and drop 20. I'd trust, you know, Jay Crowder to hit three threes, four threes, you know, stuff like Maybe that. Maybe not lately, but I know what you mean. But yeah, like, yeah, it's, yeah. All, it's there. It's there. Yeah. But yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is like, and then, so then, like, no matter who Luca's guarding, like, you can trust them to, you know, get a bucket. And yeah, so but... it's just, it's tiring him out. And it's, it's good. It's good to see. Yeah, basically, to beat the Suns, you need, like, all their players to be shooting bad, mm-hmm. you know, or at least most. Of Which them, happens. You know. It does happen. Like it happened game two against the Pelicans, Pelicans when Booker yeah. dropped thirty one, mm-hmm. and um, in one half. Know, in one half, and who knows, dude? Even if Booker, if Booker didn't get hurt, they might have won that game too. So yeah. um, we'll see. I also wanted to say that I think the Suns' size is helping immensely this series. I don't think Dallas can match it at all because yeah, not yeah. only Aiton. But McGee has been balling, and Bismack has been balling too. That's what I was gonna say. Is um, the bigs for the Suns? They don't even, like Aiden's only game two only played eighteen minutes. Yeah, because he he yeah. got to foul trouble. He got to foul trouble, and then uh, they had uh, what's Jabel McGee played ten, and then Bismack Biombo played also played eighteen, and they were both putting up pretty solid games. Yeah, you know, and like playing their role at least. So the depth of the big men for the Suns has also been really good, and th- and the Mavs just don't really have a big man who can like compete with them. With yeah, a- I or agree. Javale, really. It's it's just yeah. What Dwight it is, Dwight Powell's too small, bro. Yeah, I know yeah, he's too low. He just is. I I think Dwight Powell's fine as like a backup center, but like I don't know. Against where he had zero rebounds, he only had thirteen minutes though. Yeah, I, I don't think he's like a long-term solution for Dallas because if you're getting through the West with Aiden and Jokic and, you know, hopefully AD maybe one of these days, it's it's not going to be a good time. So Well, they do, they, sure they do have Maxi Kleba, but like... Yeah, and he's been good too. I but but he's, he's a shooter, yeah, yeah. He's, he's like a, a stretch big. Yeah. He's not going to get down there and uh, like 
Charles Barkley would say, he's not going to get down there and bang your big guys. <laughs> I was going to say the same thing, dude. Um, but, yeah, so one thing as well before we wrap up this series, I, uh, I just want to say, like, the whole narrative around JaVale McGee needs to change, bro. Because JaVale McGee, like, is just known for the shacked and a fool. I feel like that's kind of, like, yeah. the narrative around him. Because, like, yeah. I'm pretty sure he was, like, a like a – 10-time honorary winner of Shaq to the Fool or something yeah, crazy. Yeah. Like, he was on it every week. But bro is, like, legit. He – I wouldn't say, like, he could be your starting center. But as a backup center, dude, hey, you think – to be fair, he, he started he did start games. Lakers. He did, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, I don't think, like, he can be a starting center on a championship team, personally. Personally. But what I'm saying, he started for the Lakers though. He also had like AD and LeBron. Oh, he did. Yeah, we had AD next to him. That's true. That's true. But I mean, that even goes more towards my point. It's like it's like I think he's he's become like a positive player. Like he's oh absolutely he's really great defensively. I think that's definitely a strong suit. But honestly, like he's much more aggressive on offense and doesn't take stupid shots. Like he knows he knows his strengths and like he'll just will his way to the basket um and he's not like settling for you know jump shots or anything like that like he takes smart shots when he needs to and then he plays great defense and that's like all you need from a center yeah Mm -hmm. honestly to me javel was like the perfect backup center in the league he because not only is he good on the floor but he's good off the floor as well because you know you want a nice vet presence in the locker room he is that yeah and he's he brings that energy yeah he knows his role he brings the energy that's all you want from yeah. a backup center. So, yeah, I, I have nothing but love for JaVale. I love JaVale um, so much. He was great. He's been great. He was great for the Lakers for sure. And then he was on the Cavs for a little bit. He didn't do much. And then he was on Denver. And Denver barely played him last year. I don't know why in the playoffs. Um, they basically DNP'd him. But, yeah, for the Suns, he's been great. Yeah. So One, one more thing for this series yeah. I think we should talk about is Jalen Brunson. Has not been playing well him. at all. He's been putting up duds. He just hasn't been very aggressive. He hasn't been hitting his shots. He just and they need scoring out of him. Yeah. If, if they want to compete in this series, he he's shooting thirty two percent this series. I think it's just tough because the Suns' defense is really good, mm-hmm. and the the length is gonna bother him. But I also think he is a pretty young player, and at the end of the day, you know he. I think his best role is probably like backup point guard, you know. So it's not like too. I don't think he should get too much shade for like not playing well because at the end of the day, you know, the Suns are just a really good team, and he's kind of a little, you know, he's newer. I think this is his like third year or something like that. So I, I think he'll definitely evolve to be really good, but I think he should get like a little pass this series, honestly. He's also is also. Against Utah, especially when Luca's out, like he's handling the ball more and doing more, so it's yeah. easy for him to score more against Utah. That's true. He has like more usage and yeah, things like usage. that. I will say this series has. <laughs> How bad was Utah, dude? Dude, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> just because they lost, they got they lost to Dallas pretty convincingly, and now Dallas is getting smoked by Phoenix. So I don't know. It's pretty interesting. Okay, let's put our final predictions in for this series. I'm gonna say. Suns in four. I don't want to say that because I know it's a jinx, but I'm just going to say 
Southern I was gonna say win sub four games. Who would have thought it? Southern, Southern, yeah, Southern I like sweet. him. I like him. I think Luca's gonna have a fifty game. Okay. And so Suns in five. Okay, I like that. I oh, I I like that. One more quick thing on the series. Uh, I want to wish a happy birthday to my guy CP3. Today yep. is his birthday, so I expect a thirty piece for him today. CP thirty seven, yeah. CP thirty points a game. So <laughs> I, I thought you were off, saying so. he's turning seventy. I thought I thought it was. <laughs> I was like, well, close. Yeah. So happy birthday, my guy. Uh, still in the pound of you, so you're not looking a day over thirty. So. Yeah. That uh, vegetarian diet. Yeah. And um, yeah, best thirty seven year old in the league. Not even Obviously. a close second, right? Not even a close. Second. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just I kidding. mean, the All other right. one didn't make the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true, true. All right, so let's move on to our final series. We're going up north to the Bay Area, Warriors versus Grizzlies. This series is tied 1-1, to and I'd save this one for last because I feel like this one probably has the most to talk about. But first, I want to talk about purely basketball, then we'll get into some of the drama surrounding this series. So first of all, I just want to say this series has been pretty scrappy and close. Both games have come down to the to the wire essentially to the last play um, i want to talk about a few players here first let's talk about john Morant. we'll start with the positives bro has been absolutely balling out he's averaged 41 points nine rebounds nine assists on 47 percent shooting from the field and 40 percent from three and he he took 11 attempts per game from three so it's not like that's you know a fluke or anything like and that he's hitting step back threes Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's not like just you know yeah catch and shoot catch and shoot yeah. and I I don't know the I don't know all the stats but like dude took over the the fourth quarter I'd say in both games honestly mm-hmm. but specifically that second game he I don't know I don't know the exact stats so I'm not even gonna try to make them up but yeah um but yeah he just went off in that in that fourth quarter um against the Warriors in game two. And, like, he's really the reason they won. And they, they were losing, and then they pull ahead. Like, I don't know. Like, boy gives, like, a 1,000% on the court every play, and it's it's super fun to watch. And, honestly, it's really crazy to think, but they could have honestly been up 2-0. Yeah. But, to be fair, so could have the Warriors. I mean, both games were super flown. So. Yeah, yes, but no. Because... The, the Grizzlies, John missed the open, not open layup, but a contested layup. Like, it, I mean, it was a tough shot to make. It was a makeable layup for him, though. Yeah, how many? You think yeah, so? but, I think it was. I think so. Yeah. How, many of those, how many of those is John going to miss? I mean, to be fair, I, when he was driving there, I was like, it's going in. They're going to win this. Yeah, I thought it was going <laughs> Just because like, knowing like a him. really good look for him. That was a good but look. for me, it's like, I'm not going to hold it against him too much. No, no, like, of dude, course. He was carrying so much, mm-hmm. and... Like it, it wasn't an easy shot to make. Yeah. You know, so it's not. Like it, it, yeah, yeah. I think it was like a good play design. It was a good. It was well executed. He just missed the shot. Like, yeah, happened. it was happened. Yeah, and you, and you have to live with that. But it, like that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying like very easily that could have gone in because that's a shot John Morant out of anybody yeah. in the NBA could make, and so then the Grizzlies are up two zero, and this is like a totally different series. Oh, yeah. yeah, I I will say the Grizzlies are probably closer to being two zero than the Warriors are to being. Yeah, like I'll agree with that. Like they they have no answer for for Jaw, and it's honestly super fun to watch. It's tough, yeah. Okay, so let's go to another player I wanted to talk about. This Clay series. Thompson. Clay Thompson. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Yes. 
So, yeah, this guy, man, I just feel so bad watching him. But yeah. at the same time, like, I can't look away. You know what I mean? It's, it, it, he's shooting 29% this series, 23% from three, which is pretty horrible for him. And that's not even the worst part. The worst part was in, in the fourth quarter of both games. He had a costly travel in game two. You guys probably saw that. Yeah. It, it was tough, too, because you had Draymond, Steph, and Poole, like, fight for the ball because it got stolen at first and they fought for it got it back all for clay to, to travel and make all their work not worth it and then he missed the game clinching free throws in game one both free throws which was really tough to watch as well if john made that shot you'd be hearing a lot more about it um so yeah clay has just not i don't know he's had some good games since coming back from injury but overall he has just not been himself you know, He's just not been himself. Yeah. He hasn't been a splash, day. bro. Yeah, he hasn't been a splash, bro. There's been a couple of games where he has been. But um, I think if the Warriors are to have any chance, he really needs to get back to his old ways because they essentially they need all three of the Splash Brothers to, you know, really ball out considering how, they're, how their team is constructed and things like that. Um, okay, question for you guys. Danny Green, would he have traveled on that last play? <laughs> no, I'm he just would have kidding. missed a shot, but he would have traveled. Yeah, I was going to okay. say, I, I think he probably would have airballed it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, probably no travel. Okay, I just had to ask that for fun because, I don't know, I just thought it was a funny thing. Um, also, real quick, on Danny yeah. Green, the only thing I can think about whenever I think of Danny Green is in the finals when he had literally a wide-open three-pointer, and he was, like, basically f- afraid to shoot it. And then, he sh- <laughs> and, then he, and then he shoots it, and he bricks. Like, Breaks it off his shoulders. Like, yeah. Okay, that's here, like, that's like That literally, that moment lives in my head rent-free. Like, I constantly <laughs> think of that. It's so funny. I, I've noticed this a lot. I noticed it a couple weeks ago with Bojan, too, when he missed that wide-open three. I... I know everyone's like, oh, it's a wide open three. Should have made it. But, dude, for me, three point shots are so, like, volatile. Even if it's wide open, I still, like, half expect it to miss. Like, that's not crazy, right? Well, yeah. Like, you take that shot every day. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you, like every time you have that shot, you should take it. Especially if you're a guy like Danny Green or Bojan. But, like, at the end of the day, though, like, if it misses, I'm always like, well, you know, three pointers sometimes just miss. You know what I mean. That's so true. it, it's not like I don't. I don't really give that much shade to guys when they miss wide open threes. I mean, if they do it a lot, yeah, okay, it's different. But if it's like one shot that they miss, that's a wide open three. It's like you know what? I still think threes are like a fifty fifty chance. Not exactly, but you know, pretty close to that. Um, I also wanted to say one more thing about Clay. He was complaining a lot when the top seventy five was revealed that he wasn't top seventy five. Well, in his last 75 shots, he shot 40% from the field. So, you know, not not too great, I will say. Um, that was just a stupid stat that I made up, but I, don't, I thought it was funny. <laughs> <laughs> so one more thing I wanted to talk about in this series, at least from a basketball perspective, was the Warriors' death lineup, which, you know, we have all heard. Mm-hmm. Steph, Poole, Clay, Wiggins, Draymond, and... They were pretty good against Denver, at least in the first two games. But I feel like since then, they haven't really been too great. Like, they're they're fine. But I don't know if I would call it a death lineup anymore. 
you know, because I feel like when you're talking death lineup, you're talking unbeatable lineup. Um, in 11 minutes, to be fair to them, small sample size this series, they only played for 11 minutes together, but they had a defensive rating of 134, which, you know, that's pretty bad. But, but like I said, small sample size, you never know what could really happen. But I think this really shows the weakness of this death lineup, which is they struggle against the perimeter. You know, they have good two defenders with Wiggins and Draymond, but we all know Steph isn't the best defender. And we all know Clay has lost a step. And Poole is probably the worst defender in that starting five. So worse than Clay or worse than uh Steph? I think so, yeah. He he kind of been getting cooked. I yeah, mean you know, it's not he does like get cook. It's not like there's a huge difference between him and Steph, yeah. though. I, I think I think him and Steph are pretty much on the same level of defenders. Like yeah. they're both pretty so much when you have a guy like Jaw, you know, he can really he can really penetrate this perimeter. And I think it's gonna be tough for this Warriors death lineup to succeed against like really guard heavy um, I guess teams. I mean, even if they make it past the series, then they get to see Chris Paul and Devin Booker. You know what I mean? It's not like it's not like super easy for them. Yeah. So, you know, I guess we'll see what happens. But I don't know if this death lineup is, is super deadly. Is all I'm trying to say. Fair enough. It's a good lineup. Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But and the offensive potential for this lineup is insane. I mean, when when you have at, when you have Steph Clay and Poole going off potentially, like that's that's almost unbeatable. Mm-hmm. But you know, we'll see what happens. We just talked about Clay. He hasn't been playing too well. Um, so yeah. One more thing I want to talk from a basketball point of view is I feel like the Grizzlies' youth and inexperience in playoff situations is kind of starting to show. I don't know if you guys remember the end of game two. Uh, I think they were, like, down one or, like, tie game or whatever it was. Uh, But they had, like, three in a row bad, like, just took bad shots. Like, Mm -hmm. one, they just did this crazy catch and shoot from three, and and they got bailed out. Uh, one they got offensive rebound, bailed him out, and then they took another bad shot, another offensive rebound got bailed out, then another bad shot, and then Draymond fouls John Morant, yeah, going for a rebound. So they kind of got bailed out in a lot of those kind of in a few of those situations. So they kind of, you can kind of see that youth and experience of the Grizzlies starting to show. Yeah, so I might need to be. This is the Grizzlies Achilles heel, right? Yeah. Is they play so fast with a lot of energy, but. That, that's a great strength to have, but also it can be a weakness. Mm-hmm. Because when you play like that, you can also play out of control. And, you know, really when it comes down to some clutch situations, it might be a lot harder to win. So yeah. I think I agree with you. I think that's a big weakness of them. I think that just comes with experience in the playoffs and things like that. Okay. I just want to say real quick, we wanted to move on just for one second about the refs slash suspensions in this series. I mean, we've seen... You know, a couple ejections happened. Draymond game one got ejected. And then Dylan Brooks game two got ejected. I just want to say real quick, because we got to wrap up. Draymond game one ejection, I think that was BS. You know, give him the flagrant. I think that's fine. But flagrant two and ejecting him, it was a little too much. Especially because he was trying to help Clark on his way down after he fell. And, you know, he tried to kind of hold him up and things like that. So I don't, I don't know. know. I he, thought d- he pulled his jersey. I, yeah. I think that was dirty. I think he, bi- yeah, no, I think it was dirty, and I think he just kind of tried to bail himself. Like he grabs his jersey, pulls it down, and then like, oh, well, let me help you back up. Like, yeah, I, well, I, like, 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 I, like, like, I, like, I got pulled down, and the guy's starting to help me back up, dude. I'd be pissed. Just like you trying to yeah. bail yourself out like that. Well, dude, like, it, it, it's not even that. It's like 
he did try helping him, but he he was like, okay, so he jumps up, fouls him hard, grabs the jersey and starts pulling him down, and then as he's falling, he like also tries holding him up. So it was after he pulled his jersey, yeah. and then he hangs onto his jersey to also try to help him up after you just pulled him down by his jersey. I don't know. I think Flagrant Two is pretty serious, but I mean, honestly, I'm not I can like understand why that was. I can understand two. it. Like, it I, I don't hate the fact that it was Flagrant Two. That that's like, such a dangerous it. play. That's such yeah. a dangerous play. And I guess that's fair. The the and then the other play that we're gonna talk about is uh the Brandon Clark on Gary Payton, right? Dylan Brooks. Dylan or Brooks. Dylan Brooks. I said yeah, Brandon yeah. Clark. Yeah, yeah. Dylan Brooks on Gary Payton. We, we had Brandon Clark on the mind, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, that I think that ejection was fine. I think the suspension was fine as well. I mean at the end of the day, it just was not it wasn't a necessary play. You it was know? necessary but yeah. That, that's think, what I like to take away. I think uh, the suspension also came to for after hearing, you know, the injury from that happened to Gary Payton. You know, he fractured his elbow, if you didn't know. Yeah. <clears throat> so I think after that, that play and then after realizing, you know, the, the injury that cost to the Warriors and to Gary Payton, the NBA kind of had to do something about it. Yeah, I think, I think in terms of like, because Draymond, you could at least maybe say, okay, maybe it was an accident. Mm-hmm. But with this play, it was like, you know, I, I forgot if it was on a fast break or not. Yeah. It was on a yeah. It was on a fast break. So to me, it wasn't really a necessary play. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you could go for the ball, but you're you're gonna foul him on it. You know what I mean? Um, the and one, I think just the injury happening made it a whole lot worse. The one thing I will say about um, this whole thing is like I hate the way Steve Kerr handles stuff like this. It's so annoying well, to me. Yeah. I agree. I actually because, yeah. yes. Because bro, bro talks about like, <clears throat> oh, this kind of stuff doesn't belong in basketball, or like, oh, there's no room for this, or like, it's just a dirty play, like whatever, blah blah blah. And like he did the same thing. Do you remember when Marcus Smart made that hustle play and dove for yeah. uh, the ball and hit Steph? Yeah. Like, like yeah. okay, yeah, that 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 play was not dirty at all. But like Steve Kerr just builds up these like. These like Mostly. malicious, malicious intents. Like okay, yeah, Dylan Brooks made a uh, aggressive play, and in like the result was that he injured Gary Payton the second. But I don't think his intentions from the beginning was, oh, I'm gonna make sure this guy like gets hurt. You know, like I'm yeah, gonna make no, sure he gets ejected. Like like he he was not thinking that he was making an aggressive play, and yes, it was pretty unwarranted like it sh- he shouldn't have done it but like i don't think his intentions were to injure this guy and like the way steve kerr just talks about it, it's like it's like they're targeting you know the the warriors players and also it's gary payton bro it's not gary payton the second it's not like it's not like he's out here pushing steph curry on like a wide open fast break or something you know like it's not your star player I actually think Gary Payton is pretty important to the Warriors. Well, the, like defense. defense, yes, I understand He's that. He's not like the superstar player of the. But yeah, no, I agree. Warriors. I agree. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. Like Gary Payton's defense on Jaw would have been nice, but also it's like, I don't know. It he talks this up, and it's just it's kind of been annoying for me to to listen to because out of everybody, I actually, I yeah, I actually hundred percent agree as well. I think it drives it drives me crazy because listen, I know why he's doing this. He's doing this to kind of get sympathy 
from the refs and from the NBA and things like that. But, okay, Steve Kerr is very pearl-clutching right now. But where was he when Draymond had all these dirty plays? That's what I'm saying. Where was he when Zaza Pachula hurt Kawhi Leonard in their series? You know what I mean? He wasn't saying any of this stuff. I actually think I remember. And why would he? I actually think I remember him saying when, when Kawhi got hurt because of the closeout by Zaza. I think I remember him saying injuries are a part of basketball. And just yeah, so yeah, it's like bro, come on. It's a it's a clear like, you know. I get you got to stand up for your players and stuff like that, but to me it doesn't mean much because when you know the other team gets hurt or whatever, like it doesn't matter. Yeah, he's just showing face. He doesn't. Yeah, I like Steve Kerr as a coach. He's a good coach, but Mm -hmm. you know he's a little bit of a media guy, a little bit of media darling, and and this kind of thing can happen when when you're that. So. All right, that about wraps it up for this episode all. Thank you all for tuning in. We really appreciate your support. Please be sure to follow us on Instagram at Ball Squad Podcast, and we'll see you next week. Take it easy. Peace out.